Take your Bibles this morning, if you would, turn to Luke chapter 15. Luke chapter 15. We're going to look at a very familiar parable that Jesus teaches in the book of Luke. Most people know this parable as the prodigal son or the story of the prodigal son. I have to tell you, I have never heard a message preached on the Father. So I entitled the message this morning, The Prodigal Son or the Loving Father. Our attention this morning is not going to be on the rebellion, but we're going to look at the mercy and the grace and the love of the Father that we find in this parable. I was listening this week to some messages and they referenced... Uh, the prodigal son, and this was a message about the, the rebellion of the prodigal son. And, and in the middle of this message of the prodigal son that they were giving, they mentioned the father, and they began to mention the mercy that he shown, the grace that was shown, the faithfulness that was shown, the provision. And I was like, wow, I've never heard a message in this context on the father. So this morning, that's what we want to do. We want to look... And on Father's Day, as we celebrate and honor our fathers, as the Bible tells us, we want to look at this parable that Jesus told to emphasize the love that the Father had. And let's not pay much attention to the rebellion that this scripture commonly focuses on. So if you're looking in Luke chapter 15, there's a, I think we're going to look at the whole chapter of this morning in Luke chapter 15. But before we begin, I need to make sure that we understand what this whole chapter is about. I think we find the emphasis on this chapter in the first two verses. So let's look at these first two verses. First, verse number 1 of Luke chapter 15. It says, Then drew near unto him all of the publicans and sinners for to hear him. Oh, that's a pretty simple statement. It says that this group of people have come to see who Jesus is. Well, and they're listening to him. Jesus was drawing many crowds. Every time Jesus would come and he would preach, many people came and followed and listened to him. I don't think it's hard for us to figure out who the sinners are. See, it says that sinners and publicans have gathered together this day to listen to Jesus. They are drawn to Jesus. Well, sinners. All right, I understand that. Well, then, who are these publicans? I want you to know, publicans doesn't sound like a very offensive name. If somebody was to call me a publican, I, that sounds kind of like a political term, doesn't it? Republican, Democrat, publican. I, but you know what a publican was? He was a tax collector. King James Version, if you look at the definition of a publican, it just simply says that he was a tax collector. Well, that doesn't sound that bad. I mean, we vote every couple of years. We vote on a new tax collector. Some of us, uh, some of us you write your check to the county of Polk County tax collectors, but, but many of the checks go directly to their name. Do you realize that? You can write that person's name, the tax collector, but we don't consider them a thief. So when we look in the scriptures and it compares who a publican is, 
Listen to what the Scripture says. In Matthew, it refers to a publican as a heathen man. Well, that doesn't sound very popular. Or also uh, a prostitute or a harlot. It says a publican just like a harlot or a, uh, uh, a heathen. That's exactly who it refers a publican to. And I'm like, oh my goodness. Well, that's not very good company. In the book of Luke, in, in, Luke, uh, chapter, in Luke, another reference it says, in Luke chapter uh, 18 and 11, it says, and the prostitute or the publicans were referred to as extortioners, unjust, and adulterers. Well, okay. So do we understand now, Jesus is coming out, He has drawn this crowd. Let's put it this way. The group that has come to listen to Jesus preach are the sinners, the prostitutes, the harlots, the heathens, the adulterers, uh, the, the unjust, and the extortioners. That's not a very popular crowd. That is why when we read in verse number 2, in Luke chapter 15 and verse number 2, And the Pharisees and the scribes murmured, saying, This man receiveth sinners and eateth with them. In other words, the Pharisees, let's describe who the Pharisees are. I want you to know I've never heard this word except when I read in the Bible. That's the only time I read it. A lot of times people read right past that word and they have no idea who a Pharisee is. Let me make sure that we understand while we read this this morning what a Pharisee was. The Pharisee were the religious leaders in the nation of Israel. Not only were they the religious leaders, they were also the political leaders. In other words... The Pharisees walked with their chest held out. Their head barely was supported by their shoulders because they had the big head. They were the ones that made all of the decisions, the direction the nation would go. They were the ones that determined what was right, what was wrong. They were the ones that made laws for the people to follow. I want you to know they were the high and mighty. As a matter of fact, there's one place in the Scripture it says where a Pharisee goes and he... He is praying to God and he says, Oh Lord, thank you that I am not like this publican over here. This sinner. This one that is an extortioner. This one that is an adulteress. This one that is a sinner. I'm so glad you didn't make me like him. And the old publican over there smote his chest and said, Lord, forgive me. Have mercy on me, a sinner. And the Bible says that that old publican over there went down justified and that Pharisee that was all high and mighty, he did. He, he wasn't justified at all. So do you understand the setting of this parable that Jesus is about to say? Okay, here is a group of sinners and publicans that have gathered together to hear Jesus. You want to know why they heard Jesus? Let me tell you, it is not because Jesus compromised his message. He didn't compromise his message to draw people in. I want you to know Jesus was teaching the very law in the Old Testament, how we should love one another, how we should love our neighbor as ourselves, how we should love the Lord our God with all of our heart, soul, and mind. Jesus did not compromise his message, but let me tell you what he did. He loved the people that he was speaking to. 
He cared for the people he was speaking to. He met the needs of the people that he was speaking to. That is exactly what our churches today should represent. We should be loving those around us. We should not be standing up overlording them and pointing our fingers down on them at all. That is not what the church is to do. We are to represent Christ. The reason that people were drawn to Jesus, because He loved them and cared. The reason that people were repelled by the Pharisees is because all they done was point their fingers and said, you don't measure up. You need to be better. They didn't care whether they won a lost soul to Christ or not. They didn't understand that Jesus came to seek and to save those that were lost. See, that's the difference. So when we begin to set this setting, when we begin to set this setting here for what Jesus is about to tell these parables, understand He is speaking to the people, but He's also got His eyes on these Pharisees over here. Now, I want you to know the Pharisees and the reason they hated Jesus' soul was because they envied Jesus and they were jealous of all the crowds that He was drawing. As a matter of fact, it even tells us in Mark chapter 15 and verse 9, Pilate recognized that when they brought Jesus before Pilate to have Him crucified, Pilate recognized. He said, the only reason you're here is because you envy Him. You, you want Him to be crucified so you will start drawing the crowds that He's been drawing. <laughs> I believe if Pilate would have said, hey, if you'll just start loving your people like Jesus loves your people, you'll have the same effect. But it says in Mark chapter 15, it says, But Pilate answered them, saying, Will ye that I release unto you the king of the Jews? For he knew that the chief priest, in other words, these political and religious leaders, had delivered him out of envy. They delivered him because they were jealous of what Jesus was doing. So, now we've got the stage set. All right, we can, we can kind of divide these two groups up. Jesus is fixing to begin to tell a parable to the sinners and publicans that are gathered here. And this small group of Pharisees over here, He also wants them to hear the, the end of these parables. So let's look at these parables. When we begin uh, in these parables, begin in verse number 4, and it says, Jesus spoke this parable unto them. And this is what He is saying. What man of you, having a hundred sheep, if he loses one of them, doth not leave the ninety and nine in the wilderness and go after that which is lost until he finds it? And when he hath found it, he layeth it on his shoulders, rejoicing. And when he cometh home, he calleth together his friends and neighbors, saying unto them, Rejoice with me, for I have found my sheep which was lost." I say unto you that likewise joy shall be in heaven over one sinner that repenteth more than over ninety and nine just persons which need no repentance. Now let's stop for just a second and let's examine what this shepherd is doing. Alright, he is in charge of a hundred sheep. It does not indicate that these are his personal sheep. He is a hired shepherd. Now, why is he so emphatic about going out and finding this one little sheep? Do you understand that in the days of, of Jesus' time, if you were a hired shepherd, 
and you were in charge of keeping this flock. You were not usually there by yourself, but there were two or three other shepherds with you, but you were the responsible one. If one sheep went missing, if one of those sheep went missing and you could not prove that a predator had taken and killed that sheep, you were responsible. You had to pay for that sheep. Did you realize that? No wonder that shepherd was so uh, energetic about, man, I just counted them as they went in the fold. I'm missing one. Man, I've got to go find that dude. What if I don't find him? What if the, my boss accuses me of being a bad shepherd because I couldn't even keep up with a hundred sheep? Man, if my reputation gets out that I'm not a very good shepherd, I may lose my job. If, if I don't find this one sheep, I'm going to have to pay for that. Man, I can't afford to that. I'm just making ends meet right now. How am I going to... You think he had, he had motivation to go out and find this little sheep. And I want you to know when he went out and he searched... You know what? Have you ever been in a position in your life when you was wondering how you was going to pay the bills at the end of the month? And you was wondering, man, I just, I really need this extra job. I remember when I was growing up and, 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 and me and Susie was paycheck to paycheck. We'd taken a job and we had lost a lot of finances in our job because we chose to take on another job. I began to mow yards and I remember, man, we wouldn't even gonna pay the, be able to pay the light bill if I didn't get an extra yard to mow here or an extra yard to mow there. I was searching diligently. I want you to know I was crying out for work. I believe this little shepherd is, he was looking for that one sheep. I believe, oh Lord, would you please help me find this little sheep? I don't even know where to look. I mean, he was desperate. He was desperate to go out and find this one little sheep because it was going to hurt him financially. It was going to hurt his reputation. Man, I may lose my occupation as a shepherd if I can't find this sheep. Can you imagine the relief that he had when he found that one little sheep? Oh! Oh my goodness. Thank you, Lord. I just, my job was just say, oh, I'm going to be able to make it to the end of the month. Man, I'm going to be able to pay my bills. I'm going to be able to supply for my family. I, you need to understand something right here. Jesus was not telling them people this parable so that they would be eager about doing their job and doing it more effectively. This parable had one reason. Notice the end of the parable where it says... I say to you that likewise joy shall be in heaven over one sinner that repenteth more than the other ninety and nine persons which need no repentance. I want you to know this is what the Lord is saying. I sent my son, I sent him out to search the highways and the byways for that lost sheep so that they might come to know the Lord Jesus as their personal Savior. And you need to understand, the Father in heaven loves you so much when one of you repents. When one of you accepts the blood that Jesus shed on the cross for your sins and you believe that He was rose from the grave, let me tell you, whoo, there's a great party taking place in heaven. Do you realize that? Do you see the significance now? This parable was not about a lost sheep. This parable was about a loving Father. And this is how much He loves you. He sent His Son to search out, to find you, to make a commitment, to make a sacrifice so that you might come to know the Lord. Whew, that's good news. That's good news. Now watch this. You want to know the reason that Jesus told a parable about a sheep and a shepherd boy? 
Here's a group of sinners and publicans over here. A whole group of them. There was a whole bunch of guys in here that were probably shepherds. And this is what he's trying to do. He's trying to teach this group of men. He was wanting to get down on their level so that they would understand how much God cares for everyone in that group. That's what he was doing. But there wasn't just men in the group. There was also women in the group. So Jesus tells another parable. Here's another parable that Jesus begins in verse number 8. He says, Either what woman having ten pieces of silver, if she loses one piece, doth not light a candle and sweep the house and seek diligently until she finds it? And when she hath found it, she calleth her friends and her neighbors together saying, Rejoice with me, for I have found the peace which I had lost. What is such a big deal about one little silver coin when you have ten? What is the big deal? I want you to notice, not the church library. Is our, is our little lady there? It's there. This is a test, Jenny. There she is. Understand, none of us probably understand the importance of that one little coin that this lady was looking for. It was the tradition or the custom, not of just Israelites, but all of that area, it was a custom and it was a tradition that a woman wore a headband or a headgear similar to what this is right here. The one on the left is, I don't know, is that two, four, six, eight? That's ten pieces. But listen, the ten pieces of jewelry that was on her head represented to the same to us today would be a wedding ring. She wore this headband publicly and she was proud to say, listen, I am married. This is my, this is my public announcement that I am married. I am proud to be married. I wear my headband proudly. And when she came home one day, maybe the little headband broke. Maybe it dropped on the floor and she, oh my goodness, and she's got to put it together. Many of these headbands were made of cloth and the, the coin was sewn into the cloth. And then they would wear it as a headband also covering their hair. But she came in one day and she went, oh my goodness. Where did it go? I've lost. I don't have any. I don't know when it fell off. I, is that a big deal? What if, what if you went home and your wife said, Honey, the diamond fell out. Oh, I'm so sorry. Oh, we'll just go to Walmart and buy another one. Oh, no, 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 no. Oh, no, 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 no. Now, listen, I, I'm no shame to any women, okay? They didn't think as highly of women highly of women in that day very often or very very well, not like they should have. Okay? Let me just make that statement. But what if she comes home and her husband looks at her wife his wife and says, Honey, what happened to that coin there? Did you just take it and did you get a shopping spree? Did you just take one of the coins that represents the purity of our marriage and go and spend it? What's wrong with you? 
Do you understand the significance now of this coin? Can you understand the significance if you lost your wedding band? What is the significance? Oh my goodness. She searched diligently. She might have called her mother over to the house and said, Mom, I have lost this coin. Can you help me find it? She took out a candle. Understand, they didn't have fluorescent lights in those days. Took that candle out and I believe she held it close to the floor. There had dirt floors sifting through the dirt on the floor trying her best to find that coin. She might have had her neighbors come over. Please help me find this coin before my husband gets home. I don't want him to think I'm careless. I don't want him to think that, I'm, that, that I think of our marriage as insignificant. Oh, please help me find it. I tried not to mention it. Susie lost her wedding band, I don't know how many, how long ago. And we changed couches. And I want you to know the old couch sitting in our other living room right now. I went through it the other day. And I said, Oh, what a. Ch- Oh, please, I hope that ring is in here. We've, now listen, we've checked that couch many times. Man, I can't imagine how excited Susie will be if I can find that ring in this couch. Can you imagine? I imagine she would have called somebody. I, I want you to know my wedding ring is, or my engagement ring has been gone so long. And I want you to know, man, I am so excited. Listen, this ring story has nothing to do with finding a ring or finding a coin. Jesus is telling a parable so that these women that are in the audience, you know how important that wedding band is to you. You know how, what it means to you. This is what the parable is about. Women, I want you to know Jesus loves you. The Father loves you so much. And I want you to know He will search for you just like this woman searched for this, for this, this coin. And I want you to know when she found the coin, she was excited. Hey, y'all come over. I've been looking for this coin. I finally found it. Praise God. And I want you to know that's the same thing that happens when one of the lost people in this world come to know Jesus. There is a great celebration in heaven over you coming to know the Lord because He cares for you. No wonder Jesus drew such a crowd because He loves you. He cares for you. Now we finally come down to the the son of the the story of the parable of the prodigal son, and so many people pay, make the focus on the rebellion of the prodigal son, and we overlook the most important part of this whole parable. And the most important important part of this whole parable is the love the father has for the son. Look what it says, <coughs> verse verse number eleven. And he said, a certain man had two sons. And the younger of them said to his father, Father, give me the portion of goods that falleth to me. And he divided unto them his living. And not many days after, the younger son gathered all together and took his journey into a far country, and there wasted his substance with riotous living. And when he had spent all, when he'd spent all, there rose a mighty famine in the land, and he began to be in want. Let Let me bring out a point right here. God's not going to make you love Him, and God's not going to make you serve Him. If you come to God and say, God, I'm done with you, 
I'm going to live in this world and I'm going to live the ways of the world, God's going to say, I hate to see you go, but if that's what you want to do, I didn't create no robots. You have given every single person in this room a free will. If you want to serve me, serve me. I want you to know if you choose to serve me, the rewards are far greater than what this world has to offer. And this young man's about to find that out. But this boy found that he was in want. He went out and spent all the money that he had, and now he is in want. I want you to know before he left, he had protection, he had provision, he had a bed, he had electricity, he had comfort, he had everything that he wanted. Everything that he was looking for out in the world, I want you to know, was already at home. He found himself to be in want. Who provided all the things that he had before he left? Somebody tell me. The Father. He found himself to be in want. Verse 15, And when he went and he joined himself to his citizens of the country, and he sent, into the, uh, sent him into the fields to feed swine. And he would fain, that word means he wanted to eat what he was feeding the pigs. That's how hungry he was. And when he had fain had filled his belly with the husk that the swine did eat, and no man gave unto him, and when he came to himself, when he came to himself, listen to what it says here. How many hired servants of my father have bread enough and spare, and I perish with hunger? He began to remember everything that daddy had provided for him. He began to remember all that the father had supplied him. He remembered the protection. He remembered the fine robes. He remembered the rings. Remember, he had done been given his robe. He had done been given his ring. He had done been given his inheritance. He had done squandered all of that. He said, my goodness gracious, I can remember being able to go to the kitchen and getting a loaf of bread out, making me a sandwich, reaching in the refrigerator and getting out a Coke and having a meal. Here I am in want. When he came to himself, I tell you what, many of us need to come to ourselves today. Many of us. You know what? A lot of us go out into the world to find ourselves. And I tell you, I'm, you don't know how bad I'm holding my tongue right now from expressing some of the things that we do to find ourselves. I'm not going to go into that rant. But the things we do to find ourselves, and when you go into the world to find yourself, all you do is lose yourself. The world tells us that it will give us success and all the world does is give us failure. The world we think is going to give us peace and all it gives us is slavery. I mean, that's what the world offers. But at home, at home with the Father, we have all those things. And this is what the young man said. When he finally came to himself, he realized. Skip quickly to verse number 20. Verse number 20. And he rose, and he came to his father, but when he was yet a great way off, the father saw him and had compassion, and he ran, and he fell on his neck, and he kissed him. Didn't find any compassion out in the world that he thought he would find. And the son said to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven, and in thy sight, and am no more worthy to be called thy son. But the father said to his servants, Bring forth the best robe, and put it on him. Put a ring on his hands, and shoes on his feet, and bring hither the fatted calf, and kill it. And let us eat and be merry. 
A lot of people like to separate the parable of the sheep and the shepherd, and they like to separate the, the parable of the coin and the woman from this parable. We need to understand all three parables are talking about the love and the provision of the Father. In those other two parables, we see when he found his sheep, there was a great celebration. When the woman found the coin, there was a great celebration. When the son returned home, there was a great celebration. The idea of all of the things that was he done while he was gone was done away with. The Bible tells us that if, if you will confess your sins, he's faithful and just to forgive you of your sins and to cleanse you from all unrighteousness. The Word says in, in Psalms 103 that if... If you'll bring them to Him, He'll separate your sins as far as the east is from the west. Listen, the Father is willing. If you are willing to come, He is willing to separate your sins and make you righteous and holy according to His Word. That is exactly what the Father done when the Son came home. Now, He's been talking to these sinners and publicans over here, okay? And I want you to know, I believe that day that he told these three parables, there were many that were there that believed what Jesus was saying and said, hey, we want you to be our Father. I believe they come and they believed in Jesus and what he had said and what he had done. I believe they followed after him. But he's not done yet. Here's a group of public, I mean, uh, Pharisees over here. He's not done with them yet either. Listen to this. Listen to this. Look in verse 25. Now his elder son was in the field, and as he came and he drew nigh to the house, he heard music and dancing, and he called one of the servants. He didn't go in himself to see what was going on. He called one of the servants and asked what these things meant. And he said unto them, Thy brother is come, and thy father hath killed the fatted calf, because he hath received him safe and sound. Now this is what the older son did. And he was angry and would not go in. Therefore, come his father out and entreated him. In other words, the father came out of the house and said, Son, what is your problem? These Pharisees, these Pharisees sees Jesus reaching the lost sinners and man, he's excited, man. There came this man, five fed 5,000 today, and, and so many of them believed that I was the Messiah, and man, they were saved, and now they have eternity in heaven. And these Pharisees are going, man, I ain't going to that party. I can't believe he's talking to them. These are, it's all, it should be all about us. This old older brother is saying, this should be all about me. The Pharisees are telling Jesus, this should be about us. Do you see what he's saying to them? He's comparing them to the Pharisees. And he was angry and he would not go in. Therefore came the father out and entreated him. And he answered and he said unto his father, Lo, these many years do I serve thee. Neither transgress I against anything thy commanded. And yet thou never gavest me a kid that I might make merry with my friends. I'm going to let you finish that chapter. But let me tell you what he is telling the Pharisees here. He said, listen here guys. I've been your father the whole time. And all you've ever done for me, yeah, you're out there working in the field, all you've ever done is give me lip service. You have never had a relationship with me. Understand, 
that everything that I own is yours, but you never partook of everything, anything I own because you were out there in your own. You're going through the motions of being a church member. You're going through the motions of being a saved person. You're going through the motions of being a Christian, but you have never done anything to have a relationship with me. I want you to know the rest of this parable is about how the Father is looking at those who do not have relationships with His Son, Jesus. That's what the rest of this parable was about. He spoke to the sinners and the publicans, and then He accused those Pharisees. That's what He done. If you choose, if you choose to have a relationship with the Father, I want you to know there are great, great rewards when you choose to have a relationship with the Father. Let me show you an example of what it means to have a relationship with the Father. I'm going to look in Psalms chapter 1, 1 through 3, and, and then I will close. Psalms 1, it says, Blessed is the man that walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor standeth in the way of sinners, nor sitteth in the seat of the scornful. In other words, blessed or happy is this man. Now, what did the prodigal son do? He went and he walked in the counsel of the ungodly. He stood in the way of sinners, and he sat in the seat of the scornful. I want you to know, he was not happy. But then it goes on to say, it says, But his delight, the blessed man... His delight is in the law of the Lord, and in the law doth he meditate day and night. And he shall be like a tree planted by rivers of water that bringeth forth fruit in its season. His leaf also shall not wither, and whatsoever he doeth shall prosper. I want to tell you about a tree, a boabab tree in Africa. The boabab tree is a, is a tree that sits in Africa, and it does not sit by a water source. The boabab tree sits in the middle of the plains. It has to find its own source of water. The boabab tree is probably one of the largest trees in all the world. And the reason I say that is there's kind of a competition between the boabab tree and the giant redwoods in California. Understand a giant redwood gets to be about, the large ones get to be about 30 feet in circumference, or, or not circumference, 30 feet in diameter. That would be about, our auditorium here is 40 feet wide. So you take about 10 feet, man, that's a pretty wide tree right there. That's the, the redwoods. They grow up to some 325 feet tall. That is a huge tree. The boabab tree doesn't get over 85 feet. That's far shorter than, than 325 feet. But let me tell you what the boabab... The boabab tree can grow up to 46 feet in the diameter. Do you know what that means? I marked it off yesterday. The boabab tree would be from here to that back wall wide... And it would be three feet outside that wall, three feet outside that wall, and that's how big around that tree would be. In other words, we could have our worship service inside the middle of a boabab tree. Now, that's a pretty big tree. But let me tell you about the boabab tree. 
See the thing about the boobab tree? Show me that. Show them the next picture of that boobab tree. The thing about the boobab tree, do you see where that tree is sitting? Look at the ground. It's almost desert that it sits in. But the boobab tree taps down to a water source underneath it, and that tree lives to be 2,500 years old. 2,500 years old. In Africa, they call the boobab tree the tree of life. Let me tell you why they call it the tree of life. It lives up to be 2,500 years old. 80% of the bark and the trunk of that tree is water. In the middle of a desert, this tree is made up, 80% of it is water. Do you understand that the boobab tree can contain up to 1,200 gallons of water at one time? No wonder they call it the tree of life. They can take the fruit off of a boobab tree. They call it super fruit because it contains calcium, iron, potassium. It contains ten times the amount of vitamin C that an orange finds or orange has. And it contains 50% more calcium than spinach. No wonder they call it the tree of life. But it does not get its water source from the surface. Watch this. Watch this. When we as God's people try to get our source of fulfillment from the surface, from the things that we can see, let me tell you, we're going to die very quickly. But if we will dig down, and like, like it tells us in Psalms, if we will not walk in the, the counsel of the ungodly or stand in the way of sinners or sit at the seat of the scornful, and if we will meditate and delight in His Word, I want you to know we will be like this tree and we will be like a tree of life and we will have peace. You will find contentment. You will find joy. You will find happiness in having a relationship with an almighty God. The Father. The Father is the key. The Father. Having a relationship with the Father is the key. The Father provides all that you will ever need in life if you will simply put your faith and trust in Him. The way you have a relationship with the Father is through His Son, Jesus Christ. So, this morning, what is your relationship with the Father? Is it just surface? Is it, is, is it like those old Pharisees? You just show up, worship at church, but then in the middle of the week, you live your life how you want. And I, that's not a relationship. That's not a relationship. God wants to have a relationship with you through His Son. And when we have that relationship, then we have protection, we have provision, we have forgiveness, we have all the things that the Father offers. I invite you this morning to have that relationship. Let's stand together and I will pray. Fathers, we come to the time of invitation. Just like when Jesus stood before these crowds the sinners and the publicans and also in front of the Pharisees. God, at the end of you telling the parables, these people had a choice to make, to accept you, to reject you, to, to make you have a, to, to have a relationship with your Heavenly Father, or 
just to continue in life like they're going. So God, I just I want to do the same thing this morning after just telling these people what you told us through your word. I just want to give them an opportunity to make a decision to accept or reject, have a relationship with the Father or not, to increase their relationship, whatever might need to be decided this morning. I just uh, just pray that, that you'll be pleased with our decision. Thank you for the time that you've given us, and we'll give you the praise that comes from everything that takes place in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's sing.